right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the No Responsibility Podcast. We are a show all about the brand new Marvel Champions living card game cooperative game. We are really excited about it. It's not even out, and we are so hyped about this game coming out of the brand new announcement from Gen Con 2019. So my name is Sugi. With me is Always Angry Jay and Tycho Sean. And we are going to be starting up this brand new show covering all kinds of aspects about the game, play styles, mechanics, decks, villains, heroes, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to have a lot of fun along the way because unlike most traditional card games, this is purely cooperative. So there's very little alpha gaming. It's not you versus me. It's going to be a really pleasant and exciting experience where you get to sit down with your best friends, your best allies, your most hated nemeses, and play a really interesting game all about this new system that we've seen before in previous games out of Fantasy Flight. But this seems to be uh, probably it seems to be like the perfect storm of fun and IP and approachability for people all around the world. So we're going to introduce ourselves. Like I said, my name is Sugi and just a little bit about um, my history in the game. So I've been playing games since like I was eight years old. So that's going to be like 25 something years. Um but my connection with Marvel actually is a lot longer. So my uncle used to collect old comic books. He would always collect two copies. One he would uh, mint out and protect and he would never open. And the second copy he would read. And so when I was really young, I got his old, really bent out of shape and damaged collection. And I immediately fell in love with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. Uh, two of <laughs> which have been horribly butchered by Sony. That's like my one thing I'm going to say negative about that. <laughs> but um, it, it's just like I love seeing, you know, Dr. Doom and Spider-Man and the thing and, you know, Mr. Fantastic, like all these different aspects of characters try and fight their way up the the poll versus, you know, uh, you know, odds that were just not in their favor and, you know, just terrible things happening in their personal lives and in their professional lives. And the art was really cool and the story arcs were really cool. And I've been reading comics ever since then and playing card games ever since. And it's just been this really interesting mix of two completely different genres and comics and gaming that uh, in this specific game and finally come together and I can enjoy both. And so that's kind of one of the things that really excites me is being able to remember good old, you know, stories about, you know, comics and characters that I've loved with, you know, a card game, getting to play with people in a very uh, community based environment. So it's, I'm just really excited to get this to the table and start, you know, playing with friends and meeting new people and playing the game. So that's pretty much my story, but I'm going to kick it over here to always angry Jay, our main man who uh, he has his own little story to tell about, you know, his history with comics and gaming. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jay, and uh, what got you in all this mess? Yeah. So my name's Jay. I've been playing tons of card games. I've worked on card games, tested a lot of games of both the card and video variety. And so I've always been kind of inundated in this industry and I always want to learn more and devour new content and try new things. And I've always been excited by a lot of the ventures that Fantasy Flight has taken. And this is one of the most exciting things they've proposed ever. But as far as my background with Marvel, uh, when I was a really young kid, uh, I moved around a lot and uh, I lost a parent when I was pretty young, so I used to joke I had a superhero origin story, but uh, 
just had a lot of tough times. I also had a tough time reading, and so reading books was hard, but uh, comic books kind of gave me an avenue where, you know, I it could help me with the pictures that I couldn't construct in my head super well when I was trying to read books and comics. When I was a kid, I really related to Spider-Man a lot because he, too, was a brown-haired, brown-eyed, freckled nerd who had bully problems and that just kind of resonated with me and i really liked cyclops from the cartoon because the 90s had some of the best cartoons for marvel related material with the spider-man and x-men and all that great stuff and scott summers had that he made brown hair look awesome (laughs) as well as shooting lasers from his face and then I just remember pivotal moments like the first time I used to go to arcades a lot as a child and the first time I saw Street Fighter versus X-Men and just saw like Cyclops shaking hands with with Ryu and then like both of them firing like energy beams across the screen and melting Sabretooth also melted my face right off my skull. Yeah, just comics have always been a part of my life. And then I've played a lot of games of card and video game varieties. Yeah, just like Marvel has kind of always been there in one way or another. And obviously the movies that have been awesome for the past decade. I'm excited that Champions draws more influence from the comics, at least so far. And I think that will give everyone a more rounded uh, experience with these characters. I'm not saying like, you know, we're not here to say like the comics are superior to the movies or vice versa, but I think that you can learn a lot from the different aspects of media about these characters. And I think it's cool that players will get to see, you know, some of the things that we grew up with and some of the different takes and all that fun stuff for this game. So I hope it just kind of shows everyone and. In- uh, all the cool things that Marvel has to offer. And now let me introduce my good friend, Sean, who we're happy to have on this show with us. He's a good friend of mine, and hopefully he will become a quick good friend of all you guys. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, hi, I'm Sean, and uh, as Jay mentioned, we're good friends. Uh, we met playing Conquest, which is a, another amazing fantasy flight game that unfortunately died too soon. Uh, so we've been bonding over Fantasy Flight living card games for, what, like almost five years now? And <clears throat> I didn't realize how into Marvel you were, but we've been bonding over that recently as well. Uh, I personally am like a, an 80s kid, and I've been collecting comics and watching the Marvel cartoons since the 80s. Like I was the Spider-Man super friends or spider-man and his amazing friends was like that was my jam back in the 80s and i've been collecting comics since like the uh, secret wars days when uh spidey's black suit dropped that was like my little child brain exploding um so i've been a big marvel fan my whole life and i am a huge fantasy flight fanboy uh especially living card games Having played uh, collectible games since the 90s, I really enjoy the lack of rarity, that there's no chase cards, uh, that you can just be creative inside the space and inside the IP, and that's just really attractive to me. Um, And just the the regular release of content is really nice, too, and that's something that's very, um, 
I'm anticipating that greatly about this game. Just uh, every month getting a new hero, getting a new villain to fight against and just keeping the game super fresh all the time. Uh, I love that about living card games and uh, couldn't be a better IP for me personally. I know you guys are excited. I'm super excited. Um, uh, I can't wait to just start chopping up all of the different aspects of these characters and different builds you can make and you guys uh, have a lot of experience, so I know we're just going to really like feed off of each other's insight, and um, that's just really exciting for me. Yeah, I think the favorite thing about Marvel is, you know, a lot of people were freaking out when Disney was buying everything up, especially Star Wars and Marvel. But as much as we love Star Wars, because you know we've done some Star Wars podcasting together over the years, uh, Star Wars as a story right now is kind of linear. And I know that it's a very vast universe and there's a lot of characters to pull from, but like the core films right now are very much good versus evil. Um, the Marvel universe is not too different. It's very linear in that aspect of it's good versus evil, but there's a lot of already established characters that Star Wars doesn't have. So like, for example, you have like, you know, Han, Luke, Leia, and then your side-ish characters. So you have like, you know, Dash Rendar and Boba Fett and all these, you know, Outer Rim kind of things. But with, you know, your Marvel IP, you've got, you know, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and the Sinister Six, and you've got, um, you know, uh, Silver Surfer, Galactic, like you've got everything already pre-established and you can go pretty much wherever you want right off the bat. Like if you, if someone introduces the Marvel Universe, you can say, you know, I want to see something kind of gritty and, you know, dark. Okay, well, how about Blade and Morbius? Like there's, there's so many places to draw from and pull from. And I think that gives the designers so much more potential than anything they've ever done because they can just do literally anything with so much source material readily available. So the game's existence is just absolutely exciting because there's so many places they can go. And they've already started to dive into like the Green Goblin and we've got Ms. Marvel. And it's like, oh my gosh, like they're just going straight for it. They're not playing safe with like Avengers right off the bat. It's like, no, no, they're, they're going hard. And I'm really stoked to see just what kind of like creative freedom they're given. Yeah. And I think the content uh, that's coming, one of the advantages they have to the different types of releases that they've already talked about doing uh, makes the game very scalable in really exciting ways where they can give us one hero and, you know, that hero comes with a brand new deck. It's playable out of the box. Uh, You know, someone could just come over and say, what's that game? And they're like, that one's cool. I want to try it. And if they don't want to, you know, spring for the base box, they can just pick up, you know, Captain America in a couple months and just sit down and play with you immediately. Uh, they can drop villains by themselves with a couple of different modules. And that gives that uh, a whole new, you know, angle and things to do. And then the types of like releases that it seems like we're going to get in the future, you know, we have something called like scenarios with the wrecking crew. And then like FFG tends to do what are called bid box releases where, we can only imagine the like Guardians of the Galaxy will get a, a big box where they'll drop four or five. Fantastic yeah. Four. Fantastic Four. X-Men. Yeah, that's got to be like, they got to come together. Like, I don't see it working any other way. Yeah, there's just certain groups that you can't really piecemeal them out. And what's nice is I don't think they'll have to. And we'll get small releases, big releases, and just all types of different ways to 
you know, bring characters into the fold. And I think that's just going to be really fun to see and experience. So quick question for you guys. Uh, we know we just went over how exciting it's going to be to get together and play and it's cooperative, but are you guys as excited about the solo play in this game as I am? Because the idea of just really digging into these characters and just uh, grinding some of these uh, scenarios and stuff solo, um, that's just really appealing to me. I actually am because there's there's a lot of cards. So like, shout out to Team Covenant. They kind of spoiled everything, which uh, if you watch all their videos, they go through and unbox each aspect, each hero, each neutral and everything. So there's already websites that have the capacity to build decks and the more I go through it, it seems that your solo deck building is going to be uh, fairly different from your team building because of the scaling of the heroes and villains. Also, uh, it's not as difficult. So the, the point I'm trying to make is you almost get two different experiences based on solo play or group play. Um, and I think that that could be a big selling point to a lot of people because not many games give the opportunity to get multiple experiences with the same cards or same components inside of the box. And on top of that, not only do you, for the first time ever, you get the whole play set from Fantasy Flight, which is about time they did. That. Yeah, thank you, FFG. Yeah. Um, but I think what's really cool is you can play your favorite hero four different ways. And then if you get bored with that, you can play another hero four different ways and so on and so forth because you have the four different aspects, right? So you have a lot of replayability for 60 bucks just right out of the gate. And that's not something we've seen before, ever. Usually it's like you have to have three core sets and one or two of these builds are super viable and the rest are kind of okay. And it seems like this has kind of been pared down to a much more fair and overall equalized experience, not just, hey, you have to play Iron Man and you have to play Aggression, and if you don't, you're going to lose. It doesn't seem like that is the case whatsoever, and that's what's really exciting. I'm excited because I know in a lot of games, sometimes you just want to test a deck or an idea to see if like things work, but playing against yourself you have all the information and that works against you but in this game you can run a solo campaign and just see how certain cards feel and interact and if you like however many in the deck you can you can live test those things against the game and the game will scale and you'll feel the impact of the cards that you want to uh, see and use so you can use it like a full experience and actually try to win the scenario or you can use it as solitaire and just, you know, like, how does this deck feel? Do I want this many of this card? Do I like this card? Do I like this ally? So on and so forth. And I think that's really neat. And also, the thing that stands out to me, and granted, I don't want to dive too much into mechanics for this little intro show, but uh, the Nemesis system, I think, is actually going to make solo play pretty hard. I mean, you don't have any control if or when your Nemesis appears, but... Many of them are designed specifically to counter and screw over the character that you're playing as. And so depending on how set up you are, uh, they could drop at the worst time and just cause you to lose the encounter. Um, and I think that's going to be pretty impactful on 
solo play, especially where in multiplayer, you know, uh, Killmonger can drop in and you can be like, hey, She-Hulk, can you go beat him up? Because I don't, like, he counters everything I do. But in solo play, you have to deal with Killmonger uh, and that might just be, you know, a run-ender. And I think that's really interesting for creative problem solving and different allies you might want to use and solo versus group play and all that kind of stuff. That's a great point. Um, we may want to mention at this juncture just that um, part of the game is whichever hero you pick comes with its nemesis that gets like uh, folded in with the other villain cards in the villain deck. So that if you're Spider-Man, Vulture might show up. If you're Black Panther, Killmonger might show up. And that's just a persistent part of playing each hero. Um, just for those who haven't really dug into how the game works too much. Um, and I think that's a very clever, clever mechanic. Yeah, I, I really like the nemesis system. That's a tough word to say properly, but it, it's it opens up so much in the mechanical gameplay structure, but also in the thematic structure, because you might not be able to figure a way out to have Modok be a full fledged villain, but he could be a nemesis. And so you as the player get to experience a wide variety of villains, both as, you know, a little nemesis that shows up and it's a pain to deal with, or like a primary villain that you're sweating is going to, you know, destroy everything and ruin your day. And like I said previously, the, the opportunity and the flexibility that FFG has is just so exciting. And I know this is an intro show and we're going to talk more about this in depth, but, um, Really what excites me is the IP. Everything about this IP has been a part of my life. And to see it used uh, so respectfully, I guess is the easiest way to say that. It, it gets me really excited because they could have pulled from like the MCU. They could have made this their own version of Marvel, but they seem to be pulling directly from the comics with the artwork and the design and the theme. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for for ever and i like it's not based around the movies so much like uh, star wars destiny it really felt like each set was being pulled really hard by whatever movie was in release and this game though it draws uh from the popularity of the movies i believe it's really much more comic book focused so you can uh, maybe it'll pull those people who love the movies more into the ip and and they can you know uh enjoy it as in depth as we do right and that brings me to what I want to talk about for sort of our ethos for No Responsibility Podcast. So what's important to me in how I've grown as a gamer, as a podcaster, and so on and so forth, is just we want to make sure that this show is for everybody and that this content and the ideas that we want to express aren't coming from a sense of ego. Uh, we want this game to be fun. We don't want to tell you how to play the game. Sudi's excellent example earlier. Like we will never say if you're not playing Iron Man with this specific set of cards and aspects, like don't bother playing. Cause it's not really what this game is uh, at all about. And it's important to us that we don't come off as saying we're like pro gamers or anything like that and it's and we're not knocking that kind of content uh it's just not the type of way we want to express and handle ourselves so you know no responsibility is a 
is a tongue-in-cheek riff on you know spider-man's famous you know with great power comes great responsibility it's even referenced in the game it's a justice card so what's important to us to express is that we have no power no ego and no responsibility to present ourselves as anything more than just really big fans of this game who just want to talk about and show and express our love for the IP and the camaraderie that this game will bring. And a big thing I want to express about fandom in general in any type of media is just that I think gone are the days where feeling like, you know, you have been following an IP or product for a long period of time, or you've collected a lot of the materials or, you know, even between the three of us, like I might be able to argue that I might know more about Spider-Man than these two possibly, or just like I might have played more Marvel games, but The point that I want to make is just that we need to get over the idea that like you're a bigger, better, truer fan because you've experienced the content more because these days, like superheroes are everywhere. I mean, they're in the movies. Kids are covered in Halloween costumes and backpacks and all that kind of stuff. Like one of the best things about the last 10 years and how uh, superheroes have grown from, you know, when we were kids, like it was super nerdy and something you got made fun of for reading comic books is now like no one bats an eye, you know, everyone has like tattoos and t-shirts, like everywhere I go, I see a Marvel logo somewhere on something. And sure, you know, you can be cynical and say that's, you know, smart branding. But the point I want to make is just like one of my favorite sayings is, every comic is someone's first comic meaning like you never know when someone's going to find a character you know i'm jealous of sean for having been there to read you know the first appearance of black suit spider-man yeah lucky i got i still have two copies yeah i remember you telling me when you uh when you picked up your new one but the thing that's important to me is like if a kid you know sees spider-man tomorrow and he's just like wow that's the coolest character ever like that kid loves Spider-Man as much as we do. It's not about like who loves it more, who's been doing it longer. Like that stuff doesn't matter. If you've, if you've been following longer, it should be your responsibility to, you know, share your love and like express like what made the character cool to you, not what made the character better necessarily, you know, and this is something that I've had to come to terms with myself because I've had some heated opinions about certain depictions of characters in the movies Star Lord. um but yeah <laughs> honestly though i want to use this as a platform to get anyone into marvel games comics whatever you know if your favorite character isn't necessarily the strongest you know if ant-man releases and he's not very good like i'm still gonna play him because i love ant-man and you know, if you two have to carry me, deal with it. Because I <laughs> Howard the Duck. I need a Howard the Duck hero deck. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> well, just something I would like to to speak to what you were just saying, Jay, is that one thing I love about Marvel is it's it's timeless. Like I was dressing up as Spider Man as a little kid for Halloween, and last year we were giving out candy. I'm like 40 years old, and there was a ton of Spider Man kids and there was oh my god so many black panthers you wouldn't believe 
And the fact that it is not a niche thing anymore, it's very much more like accessible and, uh, and it's and it's po- more popular than ever, I would say. Like, uh, so I think that really uh, is is promising for the game in general. It's 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 an IP that is very attractive to all ages, and who do, who doesn't love Marvel content? It's just so approachable and well done. Yeah, and uh, the important thing too is just that if you want to get into this stuff, um, I mean, a now's the best time, but also. While it just can be intimidating with all the history, you know, you don't have to go all the way back. You know, people knock like reboots and retellings, but a lot of it is just so people can find new starting points. And, you know, if you like a particular version of a character that maybe isn't around anymore, you know, the Internet's great for looking that up and just, you know, you can dip your toe in it. And again, I just want to emphasize that, like, even if you dip your toe, you can consider yourself just as big a fan as us three nerds. So, you know, comics and Marvel and all this stuff is for everybody. And I hope that we can move forward and just make it more inclusive because it hasn't been in the past. And I want everything about this show to be as inclusive as possible. That was my mantra. And that's why I'm doing the show with these two awesome nerds. And that's kind of the most exciting thing for us as gamers is I come from a very competitive background in uh, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And it is not inclusive. Like if you're a competitive player and you show up to your local shop, even on like a casual event, the competitive players will usually sit in the corner and grind out games and anyone who's just not up to their level gets completely ostracized. And that's not always super common, but that's more often than not the case if you go into a shop and you're you know brand new or very new to a game and you're just looking to play. And what's nice about this game is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're really good. It doesn't matter if this is your first game ever. The game is very approachable. The game is very accepting. And hopefully, and that's kind of the heart of the show and our hearts, is that we can encourage people to bring people in regardless of you know any variable and say, hey, would you like to play a game? Sure. Who's your favorite hero? I like Iron Man. Cool. We got an Iron Man deck. Sit down. Let's play. We'll show you how to play. It's very you know simple to teach. The game is very fun. It's fast paced. There's minimal downtime. Lots of table talk. And I'm really excited for, you know, the stories we'll get to hear and the memories we'll get to experience as we play this game and bring people in. That's just so incredibly powerful that a lot of people don't have the opportunity. A lot of people are looking for friends. A lot of people are looking for games to play. And this is just such an easy way and approachable way to bring everybody together. Let's play some Marvel. Let's have some fun. Maybe read a comic afterwards, grab a drink, eat some food, have a good time. And that's it. You have a new friend. And that is just almost unheard of in card games. And I think this is a really cool opportunity for uh, everyone to have a lot of fun. It's very attractive. uh, The cooperative aspect. I am a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, but the FFG cooperative offering, I was, I was just not tempted by it. Uh, I know they have a few cooperative games. Um, I don't have any experience with those. I'm going to be leaning on you guys quite a bit um, with that experience because I have basically played all the FFG games other than those. This one, I was like, oh, okay, I got to do this. you know. Uh, and also, Jay and I have talked about this uh, privately, is that 
we're kind of getting burnt out on competitive games. Like he and I have been playing comp- only competitive games with each other pretty much exclusively for five years. And it just, it kind of takes a toll after a while. Um, the, the, the table stress, the pressure to perform, the high level events and preparations and reps and just, and I would really just like to just set all of that aside for a little while and just have some fun playing with my buddies. And I cannot think of a more attractive uh, set of, um, you know, concepts or an IP than this one. And, and it's just, it's like the perfect thing at the perfect time. Yeah. And to speak to that, I want to roll into our next segment, um, but it's kind of tied to what Sean just said. So for future content, we're hoping to have fan questions. Obviously it's tough to have fan questions before you have fans, but uh, still we want to end every episode with at least a general question we all answer and for this one, we've chosen just what's a moment in Marvel from any of the media that's impacted you greatly. And I will start us off with the moment from the first Avengers movie when Hulk finally hooks out and Bruce Banner says the iconic line, I'm always angry, which you'll notice is the moniker I'm choosing to go with this show. I have struggled with all my life, uh, like anger and rage issues and i've only been able to recently contextualize and sort of figure out better healthier ways and identify like my triggers and one of the things was just i can get horribly competitive especially in card games and other things and it was really killing the fun for me i it wasn't i wasn't having good times when i would get upset you know uh Sean's seen me at my best. Sean has seen me at my worst. And it just hasn't been worth it. And I've been trying to find games that still are fun and exciting and I can play with my friends that don't cause me to become that angry, selfish self that uh, has just bubbled up. And I'm really hoping that I can, you know, channel uh, that energy towards good the same way that you know hulk has evolved throughout the storylines and has always been an awesome character and yeah it just that moment i remember like sinking into my chair and like this just that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen in a movie theater like everyone cheered you felt the impact when he punched that giant dreadnought and just you know and it just made sense from like a character beat of just you know, for some people, like, it's not an on-off switch. It's something you're constantly dealing with and constantly facing. And that resonated with me even more than I knew at the time when I was just, like, screaming and throwing popcorn in the air in the moment and then reflecting on it later where that's now a personal mantra that I uh, carry with me. It's very important to me. And so I want to pause it to you two. What is a marvel moment that has stood out to you so i don't offhand recall any one given moment that just uh took my breath away but a culmination of things for spider-man just resonated with me i love his character by far above and beyond every other character just because uh the writing was really interesting but he was probably one of the very few characters I would argue outside of Iron Man and Tony Stark, where 
he had to almost face two wars simultaneously as Spider-Man and Peter Parker, where, you know, it's funny that, you know, we make fun of some of the things where, you know, Peter Parker is like having problems with like rent or, you know, going to school and doing all of his real life things. But like all of the other superheroes were kind of like, um, what's the word? They're kind of set aside into this alternate reality where their their superhero-ness was their only identity and everything else just didn't really matter and real life didn't exist. They were just always fighting villains or living it up as a superhero. And Peter Parker had to be Peter Parker. And sometimes he had to deal with, you know, his his aunt having, you know, terrible health or he got rejected by the girl he really liked while he's also trying to save the world from, you know, Kingpin blowing up New York or the Green Goblin taking over Manhattan. Um, I also feel like he's had some of the worst downs and the highest of highs, like when, you know, spoiler alert, when uh, Gwen Stacy dies because he thwips her and breaks her neck. And he has to deal with like the reality of like, is that my fault? Did I kill her? Did Greek Goblin kill her? Like they just wrote him so much of a real human character. And I was like, man, that's rough, buddy. Uh, It was just always so for me, it was more refreshing to read Spider-Man because you never knew what you were going to get. And you kind of connected with him in some aspect, regardless of who you were, because we've all had to deal with something either Peter or Spider-Man had to deal with. And I think that's just one of the things that kept me pulled into Marvel was there's a lot of really cool and explosive and neat nerdy things to remember. Um, But some of those times where Peter was just sitting there going, I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this power. I don't want to save people. I want to give up. And it's like, yeah, I want to give up. I don't want to go to school i don't want to deal with these people i don't want to you know go to work and have to deal with all these jerks like i just want to give up and quit it's like you know that's not the right answer and you know it might seem dorky and it might seem stupid but for me it was like you know sometimes i i kind of needed that that whatever i read to kind of give me that boost to go okay all right it's okay i can do this i can handle this all right uh this is gonna be a little bit different from you guys i'm gonna um uh, a, a moment that uh, really resonated with me was actually um, one of the scenes at the end of uh, um, Endgame. And I feel like I might be the only like middle-aged guy that actually loved this, but there was a scene at the end where like all the, and all the Marvel like super heroines, all the, the women characters kind of like all like kind of, you know, joined up shoulder to shoulder and then started kicking Thanos's butt. And I was like, I just got, I got goosebumps up and down my arms. And I was like, it was just a totally like over the top, like girl power moment. Uh, but I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I tried to talk to some of my buddies who are really into Marvel or really into the movies. And they're like, eh, it was, you know, I didn't really care for that. It was so blatant. And I'm just like, no, it was awesome. All the ladies were kicking butt. And, and uh, so I'm in the deck builder making my Captain Marvel aggression aspect deck. And I look down and her allies are Mockingbird, Spider-Woman, and Tigra. And I'm like, man, it's that scene from the end of Endgame where like it's like lady, you know, girl power moment. And uh, I like, I was like, man, I can't wait to play this deck in the game and just kind of uh, just, you know, I just really like it that there's some really uh, powerful female characters in the core set. And some really, like, most of the really powerful allies seem to be women. Also, Mockingbird is, like, like 
just amazing. Um, Black Cat is amazing. So I really hope that even though it's us three dudes that are just super geeking out on this, that that there starts to be more, you know, girl gamers in our gaming groups and there starts to be more participation in in the scene or just in comic books and, and just in like nerd culture in general is a little bit more accepting and like positive about uh, the women characters and also just, you know, female contributions in general. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the things that I'm extra excited for is being able to uh, teach my girlfriend how to play this game and play with her and not have her have to worry about, you know, grabbing the rules super fast and getting super competitive and just having a great co-op experience where she can feel comfortable making her own decisions and having fun and not feeling intimidated to sit at the table with some of my best friends. Um, and that is one of Spider Gwen, <laughs> Spider Gwen. That... Oh man. Yeah. There I want an into the spider verse team. Like you got miles, Peter, Spider Gwen, Spider Man Noir, go. <laughs> and like the uh, the anime one, Penny, Penny Parker. Yeah, you could have, you could have Penny Parker or Peter Porker. That would be so okay. Funny. You want Howard the Duck? I want Peter Porker for sure. Maybe they'll do. That would be hilarious as if they did uh, because they had like animal characters for all of the Marvel guys. It was like uh, uh, Spider Ham, and then. Um, Oh God, I can't remember all the rest of them, but it was pretty hilarious. Give me Peter B. Parker, <laughs> the uh, the <laughs> overweight, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. shadow Spider Man, and I'll be happy. <laughs> you, you've got money, right? I'm not really liquid right now. <laughs> yeah, the guy who chucks the bagel, he's like, I'm selecting a bagel. I just, I lost it when at the end of the movie. I guess, spoiler alert, when he tries to reconnect with Mary Jane, he still hasn't shaved. (laughs) 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 Oh, I know that feel. (laughs) And with that, I want to thank you all for listening to the first episode of No Responsibility Podcast. I hope you'll join us for this ride and always remember our simple mantra that we have no power, we have no ego, and most of all, we have no responsibility.